The first anniversary episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast is coming to you right now because this is the Indie Ball Report podcast. We're back. Episode number 48 of the Indie Ball Report podcast on the one year anniversary of the first time we recorded this show. One whole year. How about that? I know. Who would have thought we would have made it with only that one month where, you know, it's kind of touching. Half a month. Half a month. Yeah, no, it was about a month or so. Any, Eh, regardless, regardless, we still managed to rebound strong from that. The last episode's jumping back up to where we should be. We're getting a lot of hits. We're getting a lot of likes. We're getting a lot of comments. We're getting a lot of listener feedback, the stuff we want. We see that. You know, we, we're apparently part of a community now. Oh, That's yeah. pretty cool. A big part of it, I think. Exactly. And I'm not sure it was already there and we just kind of discovered it or if we kind of, for one of the founding temples of that, maybe I want to believe the second one because it makes me feel better. Well, whatever helps you get through the night. That's all I know. I think with that being said, we're going to start by saying we appreciate all your listeners, whether it be starting last week, starting right now, or starting back in February of last year. We appreciate you, and we'll go into more on the appreciate you reminiscing stuff towards the back end of the show once we get through the meat of the show. So we'll dive into the heavy stuff, then we'll go through it, but just to give you a little precursor of what you'll be listening to for roughly the next hour or so, the Frontier League All-Star Game. The rapid-fire round we do have planned, that seemed popular last week, so we'll do it again, give it a week or two, see how that goes, and... We'll also be talking more about the trend of Atlantic Leaguers leaving, and we'll use Matt Latos as our jumping-off point there. We're also going to talk about a new team in Alabama, potentially. Ooh. So we'll jump in headfirst now with the Frontier League All-Star Game. As was announced this week, the Frontier League will be hosting their 2020 All-Star Game in Washington, Pennsylvania. It is just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not terribly far from Wheeling, West Virginia, either. It will run from July 13th to July 15th, a typical celebration. I assume the first day will be kind of just a luncheon type thing, similar to Rockland had for their host. Uh, then the day before the actual game itself, you'll have your home run derby. I'd like to see a skills competition, but I'll go into more detail about that in just a little bit. Sure, sure. And then the 15th is the game itself. 16, they resume play again, and all is well and good there. Now, this is the third time they will host the All-Star Game. And we'll have more details about the festivities and whatnot in the coming weeks. But let's get your thoughts on hosting the All-Star Game in Washington, Pennsylvania, the home of the Washington Wild Things. I think that's an absolutely fantastic move here by the Frontier League. They are trying to bridge the gap between their two sides. You know, you've got your former Can-Am League, and you have obviously the Frontier League teams, the traditional Frontier League teams, pardon me. And I think that though that gap needs to be bridged. I think there needs to be a middle point. This is an important moment where you can have people from Sussex County travel to Washington, Pennsylvania. It's a little bit of a ride, but it is not all the way out. And so it makes a lot of sense to do it in this spot. This is probably the closest of the Frontier League, traditional Frontier League teams to the former Can-Am League teams. And I think this makes a lot of sense. I think this is a really good decision. And obviously this is a good facility for it as well. 
as we've talked about multiple times on this show, it's difficult to do it in not a high quality facility. If you do it in a facility like uh, Jackals Park there, Yogi Berra Stadium, not to say that it is not a good facility, but it is not a facility that you want to show off to the entire league at this moment in time. Uh, maybe 20 years ago, but particularly now yeah. there are renovations that are needed to that particular stadium. And I only use that as an example because that is the one we're most familiar with. And I think that it's important to show your best foot forward as this new league that you're coming out with. So I think this is a very good move. Yep. I agree with that. I want to just touch on what you had said there with it being in where it's located. It used to be the most Eastern team in the Frontier League and now is really the most center-based team. And while, yeah, it is a bit of a hike out there, I mean, it's about six hours from where we're at, so just about Yogi Berra, basically. Right. And so it's not close, per se, but it's certainly a nice middle point because now you can get people from the kind of just the whole general region to that spot. Plus, we know they put on a good All-Star game. We know all the festivities and whatnot. And like you said, it's important to get that kind of unifying factor there amongst all the teams and to really celebrate the fact you are a 14 team league and while i'm sure that a lot of people have had issues with the way this merger has gone and we certainly have had a lot to say particularly about the age limit absolutely they still are a force and as we'll talk about later in the show they are still attracting atlantic league talent into their league 100 percent. now it can't be done the way we thought it's not going to be in the in the same vein and same mold as we previously thought either but at the same time though it is, it's nice to see that you're going to have this all-star game that's in the middle there. And I'm curious to see what kind of festivities and whatnot there is going to be there. Cause I've been very vocal about this for both major league baseball and really all levels that have the all-star game. I really think home run derby night should just be a giant skills competition. The NHL has been doing it for decades and it's wildly popular to see it. Frankly, more people enjoy the skills competition than the game itself. Even the Pro Bowl starting to do that, too. They did, yeah. The Pro Bowl week before, they did all those lead-up events, and you saw Jarvis Landry steal the show for that with his playing of dodgeball. I mean, you know, so these kind of things really do, I think, as you're about to say, liven the festivities up in a way that maybe a, a traditional home run derby might not. Exactly. It goes and it brings out a lot of things. And the home run derby is obviously exciting. It's obviously something a lot sure, of people yeah. come out for. But a lot of people aren't going to come out for the two, three hours just to watch the home run derby. It's going to be a lot of filler, and that's not really what you're there for. But they will come out for three, four hours if you do a whole big festivity thing. I know when uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania got the regional for the NCAA hockey tournament that first year, they had a whole big thing for that first, I believe it was Saturday tournament, where you had street hockey outside, you had a whole vendors and whatnot. And I think you could put on that same kind of thing for during the day, get the people in. And then around, say, 6.30, 7 o'clock, you start doing skills thing. Now, some of these, I'm not sure how willing players would be to participate in it. Say, if you did, like, a hardest pitch, I don't think a pitcher's going to really want to go all out for, you know, an independent league, all-star skills competition type thing. Although, although (laughs) it's still possible. I mean, still... You may be showing off to a scout saying, I could throw that hard. Exactly. That, that yeah. could be a thing. I think it's something to leave in there. That could be one. You could do kind of like a target practice with a, both a fielder drill or, say, even with a pitcher where you're trying to hit certain spots with that. You could also kind of do like the old arcade games and the video games where it lights up a section of the field and you got to hit to that section. Do something similar to that where you put targets around and hitters have to try and hit to them. Yep. That could be one of them. That could definitely be one. Uh, base running thing could also be something. Certainly. A race of some sort. Fielding could also be another drill, like I said, for outfield. 
Fielding would be a great one. If you could do outfielding drills, even infielding drills with the accuracy competition, hmm. like you're saying, would be a ton of fun. Obviously, as someone who's played the game, I really, really liked doing those kind of things in practice. Where yeah. We would do them as drills where it was, you know, try to make the hardest catch that you can make or try to be the mo- make the most accurate throw from the outfield to home plate and those kind of things. So, yeah, th- those are very cool and they're a lot of fun for the players. They don't risk injury. I mean, you probably risk more injury in in the actual all-star game itself or the home run derby for that matter i would even argue that the skills competition too it's essentially almost like a tryout in of itself where you're going through all these drills and you're showing off in two certain scouts for that absolutely at that july point too you're still gonna see guys get picked up you're really at the end of that quick buying period of a lot of prospects and whatnot and you're getting into kind of the slower season so showing off at that point too maybe something or at the very least Right now, all those Atlantic League teams will have been kind of pillaged. Yeah. They may be going, oh, why don't we grab this guy or why don't we keep a running list and keep a watch list on the guy Right, to see maybe, you know, come September, we may add him onto the roster because we saw last year and we see every year a lot of those September guys come in. Now, granted, only from like Mexican leagues and foreign leagues, but still. But still, and the other thing that I think is really interesting about this is, as you're saying, it's also great for exposure. And it's particularly good for exposure if somebody goes out there and let's say the ball gets hit to deep center field and they make this diving catch, they get up and they throw a bullet to home plate and it bounces and it hits the target right in the middle and it's on Sports Center's top 10 plays, right? Yeah. And that happens. That's going to be great exposure for both the league and the player and when that type of thing happens oftentimes there's so much uh good that comes out of it afterwards that you really see an impact of that so this is one of those things where it's going to draw eyes it's going to draw attention and the bigger and better the celebration it is the bigger and better this league will become exactly i i really like it i think again washington pennsylvania is a good location for it agreed it's a very nice centered one and just to circle back to one of the things you were saying towards the end there where we're saying there really wasn't too many former can-am marks you could host it seeing as rockland just hosted last year so you're not going to go back to back then if you want to look new jersey wise jackals that stadium is not up to par it just simply doesn't meet the cut uh, not, not at this point in time it, exactly. it needs work it does and that's just something that you're not gonna be able to do on such short notice no. if you start making improvements now you could probably host it 2022 i'd say probably and i think that wouldn't be a bad thing i skylands is one i thought maybe could have skylands could do it obviously you don't want to go too far to new jersey either that's yeah. the thing i think new york really would have been perfect however doing it twice in the same ballpark especially yeah, because, doing consecutive right especially because they did the frontier league they did it with the frontier league last year so it wasn't exactly like this completely different new league it's the same thing it would be exactly the same exactly thing. and it's not like the same tradition that the nfl has where right. it was pro bowls in hawaii and now it's in orlando it's not like a traditional thing like that so which w- another thing that would have been cool is if they could have gotten uh, the all-star game and say like cooperstown new york and that would have been pretty cool yeah that because I know the Can-Am played some games up there before. Yeah, that would have been kind of cool. But obviously, I think Washington, Pennsylvania is, is the, a very, is very good, good option. And economically, it's going to be a good boost for the area like it was for Rockland last year. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to that. And we'll look forward to see what other details come out about that. And we'll probably announce our decision as to which All-Star game we're going to in a in a month or so. We'll finally figure that out. But I think we both kind of know where we're leaning towards at the moment. Which one has pinched the blue crab again? Washington. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the new Alabama team. 
So, our old friend Tim Bennett. You may remember Tim Bennett from such hits as I Want to Put an Independent League Team in Mobile, Alabama, only to get the resounding critical response of, no, we're going with the other guy. Yep. He's back at it again, and he wants another team in Alabama. This time, it will be in Foley, Alabama. Ooh. Uh, for reference, Foley, Alabama is really down by the coast. It's kind of a midpoint between Mobile and Pensacola. From what I can kind of gather, it's an area that's really doing a lot of development. It seems kind of more like a, a slightly inland vacationer kind of spot. Okay. It's hard to really kind of describe. I know we have a lot of uh, New Jersey listeners, so I'm trying to think of a good comparison here. But it, you get the general point. It's right there on the coast. So you're going to get some tourists in there. You get a lot of kind of uh, a lot of development here. And it's going to be part of a brand new complex that's being built in Foley. It's a 525 acre complex that will contain a, a series of shops, a hotel, 16 soccer fields, some restaurants, an indoor venue, entertainment venue that would be. So I assume concerts and things like that, as well as an amusement park. So it's a whole redevelopment of that particular area. The complex is owned by the Creek Tribe, and the development wing is handling it. Um, and that's really all we got at the moment. It'd be a brand new construction ballpark. Supposedly, it'll cost between 15 and $20 million. However, we are still extremely early in the process with only a handful of meetings taking place uh, between all the parties involved. So... So what what I do like about this, uh, doing a little research on it, is that it's about 21 minutes from Gulf Shores, Alabama, which is a tourist attraction. Um, so you do have that, and it's so it's not too far from the coast, as you were saying, which I do like, which allows the ability for people who are coming down for vacations, and it doesn't look all that far from Pensacola either. Yeah, it's is, about an hour if I'm right. So that's really not that bad. I mean, you're, you're dealing with. A good location. I think it's difficult again to see how these things will project in the South and in a, in a market that at least I'm not quite as familiar with. However, I do believe that there's a lot of really good things that can come out of putting it in this particular location. I have to do a little bit more research and I, and I think I will on the area, on the culture and, and those kind so. of things. And I think that's a necessity, but I, I think this is a good one and I think this is probably even a better location than Mobile is at this moment in time, given where the Mobile situation was. Exactly. Uh, obviously, this news just kind of came out today. It's fairly recent news right, too, so yeah. that's something you have to, so have to consider as to are talking about here. But I do like it. I like the idea that it'd be a brand new ballpark. Obviously, again, we're really in the very preliminary rounds here. Yeah, we're or, in the infancy of it here, where it's really just kind of a concept more than an idea itself. So I'm hesitant to. You know, really put a lot of stock in it, especially because we saw last time it kind of fell through. But like you're saying, Mobile, I'm not sure how much that market would fit perfectly. Sure, it's a recently departed market. It's kind of been the MO of the Atlantic League there. Right. However, I think Foley fits it a little bit better. Mobile reminded me more of kind of a New Britain type situation. That's where, right. Yeah. Where it was we lost the team, we just need to toss something in real quick. There's kind of a built-in fan base already. We could toss something in a stadium. We'll be good to go. Obviously, that's not tenable in the long term, as we saw, especially nope. when you lack a local ownership group. Now, of course, Tim Benham's going to be part of it. So maybe you say, okay, well, that gives you some more time there. It gives you some more stability. I'm not sure about that. Now, if then it's going in alone saying, I want this, it's going to be a brand new market. There's no affiliation here. 
if it be more like a Gastonia type situation here where you're getting a new ballpark, you have an area that's going through economic development that really seems to be jumping up between the shops, the restaurants, the theme park, this giant complex that seems to be almost like the shopping mecca of this southern Alabama region, which could definitely attract people there and is definitely another attraction there. My kind of concern is, A, obviously it's very early on. B, if you have all these things, yeah, it's draw to get people in there, but parking's going to probably be an issue, which if parking's a problem, that's one of the kind of gateways to entry type deals where if you know it's going to be a problem to see parking are you or to get parking to see the game, are you going to go out? Is that a deterrent? Those things, and, obviously, those things are early on. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, you still have a decent amount of minor league teams in the area. You have the Pensacola AA teams right. that's right over there, and then you have other ones. Now, in other markets, this has not been really an issue. Still, saturation is a concern, and as we had with Mobile, how much is the heat going to affect this? That's right. Yeah, especially uh, with the ways that things are going uh, these days, the heat will only continue to get hotter, uh, I think, presumptively, and in these regions, so it's important to kind of Keep an eye on this. Again, there are definitely drawbacks. I think there are definitely drawbacks to any time you do a new project like this, and we'll have to see where it goes. In my opinion, I think if you're going to move into Alabama, this seems to be a good place. You're not too far from other states, uh, and also you're right on, along the coast. Of, excuse me, not right along the coast, but you're not too far from being along the coast. So you have not too much to worry about in terms of flood damage from coastal storms, and you also are only 20 minutes away. Exactly. And I, that's the reason why I really do like it, though. I really like it because it's because close to the coast. Right. And it does seem like you're going to get that attraction type thing. And it's kind of the same appeal almost as uh, like an Atlantic City has. almost, Right. Or an Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Yeah. Very similar to that, only with a newer ballpark, which I think right. would definitely help it. Could very well be an affiliate team. And now that's going to be doubtful because, you know, given the current situation that's happening there. And that's something that has worried the local officials too. They're like, look, MILB is supposedly going to be retracting. Do we really want a minor league team when minor league baseball seems to be taking a little bit of a nosedive at the moment? And that's, I suppose, a valid concern. But again, if it's independent, I think it'll be fine. Right. Now, yeah, absolutely. I think independent will be okay. But I, I think you're right that there's a caution, a general cloud of caution over uh, minor league, uh, the minor leagues at the moment. Exactly. Especially when you're going to be investing probably about 20 million dollars into a stadium it's not a small investment by any means and if you if you build it you get a team and it doesn't do well you know unfortunately it goes under like we see quite frequently then you're kind of left with a 20 million dollar baseball stadium with no tenant in the middle of prime real estate land and with money still on it how likely are people going to go to just kind of rip it down there's going to be a desire to use that thing and if you can't find someone to be a tenant then it's just kind of taking up space and you're left with a very limited amount of options for what to do with it and it's kind of just left as a giant middle finger <laughs> yeah. to everyone that built it and <laughs> That's right. everyone that was had a hand in having its construction there so it's definitely a concern yeah on that front absolutely i think there's concerns there's positives and negatives and obviously it's in infancy here so it's important to see where it goes from this point and we will definitely keep everybody updated on this story 100 percent. so we'll move on now to the alpb leaving thing i'll start it off by talking to matt latos who has returned to the new jersey jackals a rather nice get he was awesome last year and if you'll allow me just a moment here I shall bring up the exact numbers that one Matt Latos had. Absolutely. And I think 
one of the cool things about bringing back Matt Latos, and we'll talk about it in terms of what this means for the Atlantic League and what this means for other things, but it's really great to have that big name back into the the New Frontier. Frontier League, yes, thank you. I was going to say Ken Amling. The New Frontier League, it's really great to have this big name in there. It gives credence to the league. It gives a really uh, level of credibility to the league that it might not have had before. And I really hope that more big names consider signing with the Frontier League. Obviously, there are restrictions because of the age limit and things like that. But I do think this Matt Leto signing really puts everything into a good uh, perspective and a good field. 100%. And we'll talk more about that in just one second. But Matt Latos, just for those curious, his stats last year, he was used primarily in the bullpen as a closer role. In a total of 51 innings pitched, he had an ERA of 1.06. And he had 25 saves, surrendering only 25 or 24 hits, 12 runs, six of which were earned, three were off of home runs, nine walks, one was an intentional walk, and about 40 Ks. That is fantastic, especially in the Atlantic League. My goodness. Lights out. I think that he is a good candidate, actually, if he stays in that bullpen role, to be one of the most dominant pitchers in the in Frontier League. league baseball. In independent league baseball, totally, but in, in the Frontier League particularly. And I think that there's a very good chance that he could be back in an organization if he does that again this year. 100%. Matt Latos is the kind of guy where if he adopts this role and he makes his own, he can have that kind of renaissance as more of a bullpen guy. Because as we see, bullpens are the key to winning in, in Major League Baseball. It's turning into a real bullpen type game, whether Manfred likes it or not. That's the way it's trending. Agreed. And... You know, you're going you're gonna to need guys that are able to dominate that kind of way. And when you have an ERA of one, it doesn't get much more dominant than that. And this is, and the Atlantic League is not some kind of scrub league. Exactly. It's not a rinky-dink league. That is league. a serious These league with some serious, uh, you know, guys who played Division One baseball or at or, the very least have made it to triple A or double A. Exactly. It's mostly, and there are a handful of former major leaguers in there too. Yeah. And you have to consider the type of guys he's going up against. Now, granted, Southern, well, Southern Maryland played a decent amount of each because there wasn't enough in each division to uh, really play your division. Right. So you're still playing against guys like Ramon Flores, like take your pick of the Long Island's roster. Yeah. Uh, and other sluggers. You're going against Telvin Nash. You're going against Dennis Phipps. You're going against, really, again, take your pick of the York lineup, actually, for any of the guys that are banging there. Sugarland also had a, had a couple of guys that were dangerous. Yeah. That teetered off towards the end, but still. And there's a bunch of other guys there, too, that were very dominant, and he was able to just kind of mow through them. And he did it in a high-pressure situation. So if he's able to do that, I see no reason why he couldn't transfer transform into a higher level just kind of middle of the rotation or not rotation but middle of the pen type guy agreed but it goes more to a longer larger trend here of guys that seem to be leaving the atlantic league in favor of these other leagues just this week alone we lost another three latos as we were just mentioned dallas beeler of uh, sugar formerly of sugarland he left i believe he's now in lincoln and then bennett perry went to kansas city so it seems to be that a lot of guys are leaving and it's very troubling if you are the Atlantic League to see all these pitchers going. Stalis Spieler was the Skeeters pitcher of the year this past year. Bennett Perry was very good on Long Island. Last week when we were talking about this, other guys that left, Telvin Nash, obviously player of the year. Right. Craig Massey, who was a very productive player for some time in Somerset. You saw Dan Miner, who, well, he didn't have the best season. He has done well in other leagues. Yeah. So he's certainly not a bad pitcher. Zach Sullivan, who kind of came out of nowhere from the 
on the Empire League. He did well. Lampson and McGovern, but they were always kind of American Association Winnipeg guys, so I don't necessarily hold that against them. But then they also lost uh, Alvaro Rendon. So, I mean, now you're up to, what is that, about 10 guys that you've lost? It's about, yeah, and I think it has a lot to do with this, a lot of apprehension over the mound. I think the mound's part of it, too, yeah. and I think it's just the rule changes in general. It's yeah. not even so much that they're happening or not happening, but it is that uncertainty that you don't know if they are. Right. If you knew for certain, then at least you can say, okay, we can plan with this, I can play with this, I can adapt to it. But when you don't know what the rules are, you don't know when they're going to be implemented, when they're going to be rest- Reti- uh, not retract, well, retracted. When they're going to go back, when they're going to be taken out of play, you don't know when your stats are going to get corrupted because you're playing by one set of rules from another set of rules. It's very difficult. Plus, Agreed. just plus when we were talking to Will, I, f- I believe he was talking to uh, Kent Blackstone, and he was saying, "Yeah, to go from the mound shift, it would take about three weeks for me to adjust my swing." Yeah, and it's going to be very difficult when even if you don't have them, you have these other rules. To adapt your play style. It's going to be hard. And I don't blame them for jumping ship. I don't blame them at all either. And I think, like you said, the, the biggest thing to me is the apprehension over will it happen? Won't it happen? I think if they were going to say this was going to absolutely happen, yeah, you'd lose some guys, but you wouldn't lose as many because they'd know. Or this is not going to happen. I mean, the problem is, at any moment, the MLB could strong arm the Atlantic League. It seems like, anyway. I mean, I could be wrong, and, I, and I'm willing to be corrected if, if I am. But I think at any moment, the MLB could just say, you made this partnership, guess what? You have to do this. And just strong arm them, and then they have to Kind of they're co- contractually bound to right, do it. They're contractually bound to do what Major League Baseball wants them to do. And at the end of the day, these players don't want their future being played with like that. And I think that's a fair critique of what the Atlantic League has going on right there. Exactly. It's not fair to the players to not know this. And until they have some stability, until they have some certainty, they're going to continue to jump ship. And I don't blame them. And I'm kind of curious to see who's going to be the next guy. And I mean, I saw also this week that Scott Casimir may want to come and try and get back into baseball again. The Atlantic League is a place that makes a lot of sense. He's pitched in this league before. And it makes sense that he'd go back to Sugarland or maybe to Long Island or somewhere like that. And try it, but if he's trying to get a comeback, do you really want to go to that league, or would you say, yeah, American Association's just as good? Right, American Association or Frontier League or something Mm -hmm. like that, because, I mean, he has had injury history in the past as well, and so because of that, you really want to be throwing from further back? I mean, my goodness, is that really going to help? Yeah, and does he want to deal with the BS rules? Does he want to have to deal with the pickoff move and all that garbage? No. No, you don't. It That's the thing I think really is the Achilles deal here. You see guys, like Lightos is certainly a major league name. Um, Dan Miner, I think, had some very brief time. I may be mistaken there. And then there's one other guy I believe had some slight... Um, Dallas Beeler, I think, was the that's guy that right, had some yeah. major league mm-hmm. experience there too. But by and large, these guys are not major league guys. And they're jumping ship. Yeah. So do you really expect to see a lot of this major league talent coming in? I mean, we've already kind of seen a noticeable drop-off of former major leaguers coming in. And I don't really see much of that changing anytime soon. No, I don't see it changing unless this... I mean, unless there are concrete rule changes that are implemented at a specific point before every season, well in advance, and players know exactly what they're going to get for that specific season. And as long as that happens, then the Atlantic League will at least be dealing with certainty. But if they're dealing with, again, like we've said, apprehension and moving targets, then there's going to be real issues. Exactly. And that's the major problem here is just because the nature of the deal they could just implement it whenever and that's the major issue too because when you sign that contract you want to know what you're 
you're getting into. And while, yeah, if the front office guys and the player procurement guys are all saying, don't worry about it, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, they could very well be telling you the truth because from their from what they know and from their perspective, it's not going to happen. They've been told that it's not going to happen. And then, like that, overnight, it happened. Yep. And now everyone here feels betrayed. The coaching staff feels like shit because they've just basically lied to their players without their knowledge. So they, it's not really lying, but they feel that way. Right. The players feel lied to, rightfully so, because they were told one thing and another thing happened. Yep. The front office don't feel great about doing that to their staff. And their players. Exactly. And it just is a giant mess for everyone involved here. And it I is. just it's unfortunate that this is what it is. And it's not saying that there aren't positives to this deal. Because there are. There, there are certainly positives. We saw last year how many guys were constantly were getting purchased. And I have to believe that's some part of it. Plus... Just the name recognition alone. I've, I've seen dozens of pieces just going through on YouTube and other things where the Atlantic League's getting name recognition now. They were on Real Sports with Brian Gumbel not too long ago. I believe it was about a month or so back. Yeah. Uh, TSM was doing a piece on refereeing and umpiring. They came out because of the ABS. Yep. There are There is a lot of name brand recognition that's coming in with this. So I don't want to say it's entirely po- negative here, but it's certainly not seeming all too positive when you have to constantly deal with this. Right. I think it's not a negative deal from that perspective, from a marketing perspective, but from a player personnel perspective, it's a very negative deal in the fact that everything can change just like that. And I think it's very important to have moving forward ground rules set that the Atlantic League has to be strong right now and set ground rules and say, these are the rules that we will implement these are the rules we will not implement and these are the things that you have to do there has to be procedure set up so that players know what they're getting themselves into before they sign this contracts because it's actually fraudulent in my opinion if you go in telling them that this rule won't be implemented this rule won't be implemented and then all of the sudden the the new rule comes in and you have no way of knowing that I think it's a fraudulent thing, and I think players would change their mind uh, if they had that going on, and I think it can really hurt the individual players, teams, the whole organization, really the Atlantic League in general, if you have guys feeling, like you said, betrayed, and then you could even have legal challenges and, and things that really could but be See, bad. I wonder how much of that actually is fraud, and you can actually legally challenge this. That's because what I'm saying, to yeah. be, I'm saying I don't think you can. Just Probably not. the nature of the contract. I think that was something they should have thought of before they signed this last year. Sure, I mean absolutely. I, I don't. I don't mean the Atlantic League saying fraud. I mean I, I think the players. I know. Try. I'm saying with the. I'm saying right. with the, yeah. I'm not saying it in a legal context. I'm not saying that this is a you know a case that the players would. I bring. mean, they can feel however they want, but they're not going to get you know. Right. I'm saying they would feel defrauded, and yeah, not necessarily yeah. that this is a fraudulent thing to do. But it, they would feel defrauded, and they would just feel betrayed, and it would be. Exactly. A bad It'd be very bad to strain that relationship and would hurt the league in the long run. But at the end of the day, just make league baseball care and no. the answer is no they don't care about the minor leagues they don't care about the independent leagues they exactly. only care about the bottom line of the major league exactly major league baseball cares about the 30 owners and their bottom line and that's about it and that's it and it's sad that that's the case but it is and unfortunately i don't really see this whole tide being stemmed here and i'm just waiting for the next shoe to drop to see who's gonna be the next guy that leaves there's certain guys that won't ever leave nope they've just been there for forever your Lou Ford, oh, yeah. your Jovan Gonzalez's. There's going to be guys that they've just kind of made a home in those communities. So they're not going to leave. They have no incentive to leave. They have no desire to leave. It benefits them to stay. But there's a lot of guys that don't have that. They don't have the roots there. And frankly, they're not going to come back. Like, I'm sure if these rules weren't implemented 
and we were going back by your regular way of doing things, Somerset would be returning a truly great rotation. Kubiak would be back. Teasley would be back. We would have these done already. Now, they still may come back, but I would be certainly surprised to see them back. And they're at least thinking about it now. They're at least chewing on it a little bit and deciding over, is this really what I want to do with these rule changes that are potentially happening? And like you said, Latos is a very interesting case study on this because I really do believe that Latos would not be doing this. I don't think Latos would be going to the Frontier League if that was the case. Absolutely. He had no incentive to. Right. On the flip side of that, though, the Jackals have one awesome bullpen. Oh, yeah. The Jackals have a great bullpen. The Jackals are probably going to repeat with that bullpen. I mean, like, right now, they certainly look like the favorite. Now, obviously, we'll go into more detail about that in, like, two months from now when we start doing previews. (laughs) But as it sits right now, I mean, you have Brammer back. You have Carly is back. You have yep. Latos in there. I know they're working on one other guy that had a really solid year and is a very solid pitcher, but they have to kind of maneuver some some guys around to make it work. And if they get that guy, this is going to be a solid, solid bullpen. But it is. And it just if I can make one yeah. one aside into this whole conversation about the Atlantic League, I think that, you know, I've had some people reach out to me and ask about guys who are former major leaguers who might be going into the Atlantic League or the potential of these guys going into the Atlantic League. And I don't believe that you're going to see guys that are going to go into the Atlantic League quite the same way from Major League Baseball for all of the reasons we are talking about, because I just think that the changes that are being implemented are are far too much. And I think it's just far too great to have all of these things um, come up and, and just to have the insecurity of these things come up. And I think that's going to be a real issue. So I, d- I don't think guys like Juan Lagares, I don't think guys like Wilmer Flores, Matt Harvey, AJ Ramos, yeah, Austin all these, Jackson, all these kind of guys, yeah. I don't think they'll be coming into the league because of the instability in the rules. Oh, that and also they're better than that. And, and, and a lot of the guys, quite frankly, are of a higher caliber player than what the Atlantic League is used to, or if not caliber, at least they're at a point in their career where they're comfortable with what their legacy was as a baseball player and they're moving on to retirement. But even if there are some guys on these lists that I've been given, uh, to they would not be going because of these rule changes. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's obviously a factoring into it as we're seeing here. But yeah, it's just... It's a weird situation to be in, and frankly, it's it's not great because you're just seeing a downgraded talent level. And as weird as it is to say, you're almost better off just having the best players in the best league because I think as a whole, that helps independent league baseball more than this kind of weird trickle-down effect where you have two or three strong teams in each league and every year they're battling it out. In the end, that creates less parity. It kills off more markets because there's less of a reason to go out to see your team get the crap kicked out of them. That's right. And... It's not a tenable solution in the long run, but at least if you have the best in the top league, the next best in the second league, and so on and so forth, you have competitive competition, you have some parity, you have a large amount of intrigue and interest there. Yep. It's just, it's a pro, it's, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue continuing moving forward. Exactly. It's going to be something we're going to watch. We're probably going to talk about it at minimum another five or six times before we get to opening day. Oh, yeah. Because it's going to continue to happen and we're going to keep a running tally to see <laughs> yeah. how many of these guys actually leave. And I'd love somebody from the Atlantic League to reach out and say, this is not what's happening. If someone is is confident enough to make that statement, to make that bold claim, then then reach out to us with that information because I'd love to see it. I'd love to hear that argument. A hundred percent. 
So with that, I think we can kind of shift to the rapid fire round here. We have a couple of topics here, so I'll pull out the old phone. Ooh. I'll toss up our timer here, and seeing as we only have one, two, three, four topics here, I think six minutes is a fair number there. It gives us enough time to talk about everything, while at the same time being quick about it. So we'll kind of set up to six minutes. I'll start it here, and we will get started in three, two. So first thing here, I just wanted to point this out, it's not really that newsworthy, but the Claiborne Rail Riders have finally decided to bring their website into the 21st century. <laughs> Before, it was like, you know when you used to go on websites in like 2007, 2008, that kind of design? Yep, yep. It was that. Ooh. In 2019, 2020. That's not great. But it's finally got a more modern design. I definitely like it. There's not really too much to discuss here, but it's just modernization there, which is good. It brings you back. It makes you seem more relevant. And frankly, it just looks like you're doing proper maintenance and that you care. Yeah, I think that's very good for them. Obviously, you don't want to... Oftentimes, the website can be the first thing that people see, and it's important that they see that you're a mover, a forward-thinking organization. Exactly. That and also in the kind of modern day, that's where a lot of people get that exposure to. Yep. It's where a lot of people get a lot of things from. Tickets. It's, exactly. It's your centralized hub, and with your centralized hub, you know, you need to make sure that's in order. Yep, absolutely. So we'll move on to the next thing. Ty Wright already has a new job. He will leave the Patriots and join the Pirates. Uh, not too surprising. I was last week. Uh, if you want to hear all the details, just listen to last week's show. We have a whole segment on it. Yep. I was so so. I'm not. Sh- I said I'm not sure I was going to adapt to that. Now that he's going to be a full time guy in a different position. The whole nine. There you can hear my full thoughts on last week's show. But obviously. Uh, he would have been good at his job because the Pirates took him, or at least it's safe to assume that. Yeah, I mean, this is a great pickup for the Pirates. Uh, great for Ty Wright. Big congratulations to him. I really think that this is a great step forward for him. And obviously, the Somerset Patriots are losing out on a little something there. Obviously, he's got the juice to make it at the next level as a coach. So it's important that, uh, you know, the Patriots try to find a good replacement in a rather timely manner here as we get toward uh, time to pick hitters and pick the guys that you're going to want in a lineup. Exactly. I do wonder if there's any kind of older veteran guys in that dugout that would jump into that role, or perhaps you could find your own Lou Ford-like yeah. <laughs> type guy there that could take that reign. That would be really interesting if you got a guy who was a former major leaguer and you could stick him in that role. That that I could see some of some of those people on that list that I read off before. Mm. I could see that if you know you take an mm. uh, an Austin Jackson maybe and he Possibly. and you take somebody like that. But uh, but I, but I also think you're absolutely right. It could be somebody within the Somerset Patriots locker room. Exactly. Uh, move now to Evansville. They're having a handful of tryouts, which will include them and the Juliet Slammers. We'll give you full details on that right now. So the first tryout is at Boss Field in Evansville, Indiana. That is Saturday, March 21st. Only the first hundred people will be accepted to that. You can register online through the link provided. That link will be in our uh, show notes. If you go to the website, indieballreport.com, click the show notes tab, go down to episode 48. And that show notes, you just got to find it there, click it, or it's on the Frontier League website as well. Uh, the cost will be $75. Tryout starts at 9 a.m. for position players. That's when they can start to check in. And as for pitchers, 11.30 is when you guys can start checking in. You'll go through the whole workout and the, your standard tryout. 
yeah, I think this is a really good opportunity for a lot of guys. Make sure you get there. Obviously, it's one of those things where you only get so many opportunities, and this seems to be one of those tryouts that's a very, very legitimate, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a, a team-ran organization. team-ran, yeah. it's an organizational thing, and... You know, there are some out there that are a little bit more. I'm a little bit more skeptical of. I think that this is a very good one, um, and I think this is a great opportunity for those guys that we've had reach out to us and say, you know, I'm looking for that next big thing. I'm looking for my opportunity. I think this is it for a lot of those guys. Exactly. And then the second tryout they'll be holding is April 4th in Allentown. Uh, that is at 9 a.m. That one will cost $100. Again, full details on that are through the link that we will have in our show notes. Again, same thing applies there. Uh, very good it's further east and it's going to provide a lot more opportunities for a lot more of those eastern guys absolutely final thing of the rapid fire long island finalized their coaching staff it will go as as follows wally backman lou ford will return in their previous roles so manager and hitting coach slash player respectively and goose gazo the former manager of the new britain bees who obviously lost his job when they stepped down to the collegiate level, will be the pitching coach on Long Island. The former one, Rick Tomlin, retired at the end of the 2019 season. Well, obviously, the only thing to say about this is it's great you keep Lou Ford in place. One, as a hitter, because he hit 300 last year. And also, two, as a hitting coach, because they were by far the best hitting team in the Atlantic League. Um, and also, you have, obviously, a really great manager there. Um, and all the things that are now past him, so he's in, in good shape there moving forward. And then picking up a guy uh, who is Goose. Uh, yep. <laughs> Goose has Goose picked, is the nickname, of course. Uh, of course, I yeah. know. But picking up Goose is a really good thing, because it's re- reuniting him with uh, manager with Backman and Goose. Yep, exactly, I like that. Although I will contest your claim that they're the best hitting team. I'd say York was. Okay, yes, I, I apologize. Let me amend. Second best hitting team. Exactly. I was going to say Nash, Tejada, and company. It's, yeah, I, you know, I, I rescind that. It, they're a wrecking company there. But yeah, Wally Backman, perfect there. Ford, again, good in his role. Gazzo, clearly has experience. New Britain was a good team pitching-wise. And frankly, not a bad team overall last year. So bringing him in is definitely a nice help too as well. And Lou Ford, frankly, he's like the Yaromir Yager of the Atlantic League. That's right. He just keeps going. And every time you go, oh, well, this is finally it. He's 40. He's 40 years old. Ah, this is finally he's 41. Ah, he's 42. Ah, he's 43. It's age 43 season or 42, about to be 43. Right. Mixed 42 year. and 43. Exactly. He hits 303. <laughs> Guy's unbelievable. He can't slow down. He's, he's going to play until he's 50. Yeah, exactly. You got to love it. And I hope he does. And that will do it for the rapid fire. As you hear, that will do for the rapid fire round there. Although I will say one thing with Lou Ford, he is currently about 550 hits away from having 3,000 career hits throughout all of professional baseball. I hope, I really do hope that he sticks around long enough to get number 3,000. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. That would be a very huge milestone for him in, in any league. That is, I mean, uh, exactly. any combination Across of the leagues. career to yeah. get 3,000 hits is just unbelievable. It, it's greatness. It really is. It's the epitome of what greatness is in a hitter. And I think that it, I, I know Lou Ford is deserving of the honor. Yep. And I hope that he sticks around to get it. Obviously, uh, this season, you're really rooting for him to get uh, quite a few hits. Exactly. In about 77 games or so last year, he had about 90 hits. So I don't think if he plays the full 100, I don't think saying he has 125 is unreasonable. And if he does that, then was he about four years out from that? Yep. Wait, which at that point is about 48, 49. I can see it. You're really pushing it. I I, can see it. It's Lou Ford, so I wouldn't pull it out. I'm not not putting it past him. 
the dude is another level. He is. He's yeah. he's truly the epitome of what it means to be a lifelong baseball guy and really a great baseball player. I mean, we don't realize how great he is. Exactly. He's the kind of guy that you just kind of you almost take him for granted because one hundred percent because he's always there and he's a constant. And it's gonna be it's really going to be weird to not to again not have Lou Ford there in however many years, even if he doesn't stay on as a coach or or a player in whatever role there. He needs to be there. He's just like a fixture in line. He's been there since 2012. Yeah. And it's just going to be weird to not Hopefully see him Hopefully it eventually. just keeps going. Hopefully exactly. it just keeps going. Exactly. Play until you drop. Really. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, no, I think we can kind of transition to the kind of gushing role here over the show. And I did actually forget one thing. I said I was going to toss a seventh inning stretch in here, but it would be very awkward to throw it in right now. So let's just talk about football. That's way off topic, and I'll throw the weird bugle noise in. There you go, little little weird seventh inning stretch right here. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I do think that uh, the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Going That's my Chiefs. prediction. I'm going Chiefs. Going Chiefs. Love Patrick Mahomes. I think he's a fantastic talent, a great player, and I think the Chiefs but that defense. Pass rush. I think the D- Chiefs defense is much improved. Although the the 49ers pass rush, pass rush, as you bring up, is fantastic. Bosa and all of them are Bosa, four. Yeah, yeah, they're all out of their mind. But I do think Mahomes. If any quarterback can stop them, it's Mahomes. I'm not going to disagree with you here because I do think Kansas City is probably the team that's going to come away with this. Although I do believe the Niners are the better team. I, I completely just, all around. It's just one of those things where, yeah, they say defense wins championships, but Patrick Mahomes is a totally another guy. The things he did against Tennessee two oh. weeks ago is unbelievable and against the texans it was just out of my uh, just mind-boggling coming back from 24 points down was unbelievable exactly that's the thing like going down by 24 makes me kind of concerned because obviously you do that to the 49ers are not going to get you yeah exactly like they're not bill o'brien team but they are the 49ers going- offense isn't as exactly great. it's not as dynamic i like their rushing attack a lot more I don't like Jimmy G as much as a quarterback. I think he's a fine quarterback, though. But, again, I don't like that. I don't really love too many of their attack options as far as receivers go. I mean, Kittle's obviously amazing. Yes, Kittle is fantastic. But I'd argue that Kelsey kind of cancels them out. Yep. And then once you get down to it, you have Tyreek Hill. You have Emmanuel Sanders is great, though. Yeah. For the 49ers. Yeah, but true, he hasn't had a bye week though. That's true. That's true. that's a good point. I mean, like he's all, the only bye week he had was uh, the one week off in between uh, the division the trade. Yeah. yeah, also the trade early in the season. I think he had no, a- no, he skipped the bye week. Oh, did he really? Yeah, wow. no, because the when he was in Denver, Denver had yet to have their bye week, oh, and wow. then when he got traded to San Fran, San Fran already had their bye week. That's incredible. So he pl- technically he played seventeen games. Then the wild card weekend was his bye week, and then he's played since. Wow. So there's a decent enough chance. Well, actually, no, he is going to wind up playing 20 games this year. That's crazy. So, I mean, it's a good thing they got that uh, wild card, though. Because oh, yeah. otherwise, he would have been playing for forever. He'd been playing for forever, yeah. But, and I just, I'm more in love with the Chiefs offense. And I think that's going to win it out. Now, granted, I'm not sure what we said last year about this when it was New England and LA. We could have said the same thing where it's like, oh, LA's offense is going to dominate. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. I I have to go back and listen, but I do think that uh, the Chiefs offense in this particular game is going to be too much. Not because I think the difference between the Rams last year going against a great defense was Goff is good. Goff is a good quarterback, but Patrick Mahomes is special. He could be one of the all-time greats. Exactly. He's not. Jared Goff 
fits his role. Yep. But he can't single-handedly will a team to win. Patrick Mahomes can single-handedly will a team to victory. That that much is not disputable at not all. Not disputable at all. And while, yeah, I think the Niners are going to make it a rough day for him, yep. I don't think he's going to go off and have one of these legendary Super Bowl performances. No, I don't think Frankly, so. Frankly, it wouldn't surprise me if he finished with under 250 passing. But doesn't matter as long as he wins. <laughs> exactly. It's one of those things where I just think he's going to be able to dance around. And if he's able to get out of the pocket, he's fairly dangerous doing that. He's like just basically a younger Aaron Rodgers, really, is when you when really? I think of when I see him. I mean, he's he's Lamar Jackson. He's not as good of a runner. As he's him. a little bit, maybe a little bit less athletic than Lamar Jackson, but he's a more athletic Aaron Rodgers. I'll put it that way. Exactly. And he has the same type of field general mentality where he knows what every position is doing on the field. And then you couple that with an incredible arm talent that is just perhaps the best in the NFL right now. It's really amazing. And uh, I do think that Patrick Mahomes ultimately wins the day, particularly because of the Andy Reid story, particularly because you have this great coach who hasn't been able to get to the mountaintop. And I think finally, this is the year he does it. Well, the real question that we have to come in asking ourselves is with Kyle Shanahan hunting up the Niners, if we go into the fourth quarter and he has 28 points, are we going to get another lead blow? We might. We might get another That's blown lead. That's the key. The <laughs> Niners, see, the Niners need to make sure they do not score 28. You can go 29. You can go 27. You can't score 28. And whatever you do, now, let the Chiefs get a touchdown so that way they don't have three. <laughs> That's right. 28-3. You don't want that going on. No, sir. Personally, I enjoyed that Super Bowl. Oh, that was fantastic. I'm sorry to all the Falcons fans, but that was I'm tough. not. I wanted that. that. Fantastic. We've kind of reached the end of the show here. It wasn't too busy of a week, and seeing us going through individual player transactions seems like something that's rather monotonous and terrible to listen to, unless it's a big name, that, which we really didn't have any of this week. <laughs> right. Uh, that's kind of where we're at the end of the line there. So talking about the past year we've been doing the show seems like the natural way to kind of wrap it up with it. It's been a... It's been weird doing it for a whole year. Like, it doesn't seem like it's been a year. It doesn't. It doesn't. And like you said, just thank you to all the people who've helped us uh, from the people in the community who've supported us and have reached out with information and reached out with, you know, helping us with stories and things like that. It's really been such a major help to us. Uh, Will, obviously, we've got to give huge props to him. He's been one of our best sources and also one of our best supporters as well. Really a great guy. And obviously... A bunch of the teams have also helped us, um, help to get us out there a little bit. Southern Maryland, um, being one of them, namely. And then, of course, the Sussex County Miners, who really got the ball rolling early on for yep. us. Second um, episode. Second episode. Really just a, a great organizations who have seen the opportunity, um, to help us grow. And we, we really can't thank you enough for that. And then, like you said, just the average everyday listener. You're just fantastic. We, we really love, having you here we love talking about independent league baseball we really love inviting you into our conversations that have been going on for years behind the scenes just the two of us and we we just love having that uh ability to share all of that with you 100 percent, very well put i mean if you would have told us a year ago when we first started this that first off the first episode would be you know you'd have so many people listen to it it would have been weird to hear it. Right. And then if you were told us uh, a year from now, you still will have a consistent following. Now, you know, there'll be difficulties along the way, but you'll still have that core base and that you'll wind up with about 150 people following you on Twitter. You'd have over 350 on Instagram with over 300 people viewing your page a day, constantly going to you. And if you were told us that we would have been pretty much recognized by most of these teams and, 
be able to do the things we're able to do and have the conversation we have with the players that we do and be the kind of uh, piece in the role that we feel we, that we'd be that, I really don't think either one of us would have believed you. If you would have said, yeah, you'll have players coming to you and going, yo, what's the deal with this? I, I need to know. Or you'd have like even just messages that I've gotten recently. I mean, just as recently as just while we're recording the show, I have I've gotten messages with people saying, "Oh, well, my son's a bat boy for X team. He enjoys doing. It. He loves meeting all the people here and just having conversations with like the average guy. Uh, that the interacting with all these people and it really it's special to be able to be part of that. And part of it's just the nature of the whole community in general that's just so welcoming and accepting to have this and to be filling this role and that there is an appetite for this and honestly the best part of doing all of this when you know i get messages like i got the the other day that's saying look man i appreciate what you do i understand like the grind that you go through the hustle that you go through and what it takes to produce this constantly and i i appreciate a lot of us appreciate what you do and when you hear something like that it makes you go, I, I can't see stopping. And there's a lot of times where I know personally I'm up late, I'm editing the show, I'm going, man, I really hate this editing, I really don't want to be doing this, or I'll be going through and going, oh, God, this is taking forever, and think about how easy it would be just to stop and how much you know free time throughout the week I'd be getting back <laughs> and how my, how nice it would be to go back to that. And right. I, I think back to those messages and I read them again and I go, yeah, I can't do that. That's something I just can't do. And I, then I stopped wanting to go back to that way because just being able to do that and being that role is really special there. It is really special. And it feels like we have an important purpose in this community. We really have an important role, like you said, that we are kind of a linchpin here. And, and it's because of the people who have reached out to 100%. us it's because of the players. It is not because of that we're any anything special in terms of our skill set. It's because of the really the great support we've received and continue to receive. And I think that is what makes independent league baseball so special. And that's why we care so much about it. That's why we do everything we can to bring great content every week. Um, because without that, then I think there would be something lost to this fantastic community of players and teams and people and fans. It's just really been a humbling experience, in my opinion, uh, to have seen how this works and how how hard so many people work in independent league baseball to make everything happen. And it really is, like I said, just a, a humbling experience to be able to be part of that in some small way. Exactly. Like You think of the whole scale of it and... Like I said, I think back to last February when we did the first one of these shows and, you know, it was really patchwork. I mean, it was it was like so amateur hour and it was clear that we really were just kind of piecing it together as we go along. And now to think back to go, oh, yeah, no, I, I talk with the GM of this team and, you know, it, realistically, there is a very real chance that come All-Star week, whichever team we wind up going with, we're going to have serious, like, MLB quality content, at least in my mind, that's going to be on that level when we get the access that we're going to try to get. And to think that that's a very serious and real possibility is just mind-blowing. And, th and to see the reception that we've gotten from doing this is really amazing. And it really speaks to the community as a whole it does. that they constantly keep coming back. Because you would think in january who cares about first off baseball in general but then even more so 
the nichest of niche things, which is independent league baseball. Right. And yet there's still weekly, you see 120 people listen to this, 130 people, 85, 100, 100 there. And that's just from the people that played up to 10% of the episode. If you just right. go to people that clicked on and at least listened for 9% or less, like that's at least basically my understanding of the one stat there. It's over 300. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's weird to see that many people that go, oh well, let me tune in and see what's the what's happening this week what's and the news for this week. Yeah, exactly. And then when you go in season, you see the numbers go up and whatnot, and you have it's really like the interactions for me that really make it so special. Yeah, absolutely. It's the interactions. It's the it's the stories. I mean, it's the stories that we're trying to tell of these players of this league of these leagues. And overall, I think it is just a really special experience to be a part of and. And we will not be stopping anytime soon. Exactly. I enjoyed this too much to stop. Absolutely. And this has become something that we were already passionate about independent league baseball, but now, uh, we've become, I think, essential in some ways to, uh, helping the game grow, uh, at this very basic level. Even if not essential, certainly valued. Valued. Yes. And, that's a better word. And that, valued. that's the, that's the thing that feels, I think, the best with the interaction and seeing how you're, how you're valued in it. So I think just real quickly, though, I just kind of want to look to the future and point out some sh- some things we want to be doing kind of going forward. I know I promise that the funny thing, too, is one of the hallmarks of this show is me promising to make things and then never coming around to it because we're still a year later. We're waiting on a what is independent league baseball video, which, you know, I almost tend to just not make it. And when it goes up, have that be like, that. yeah, we're, we're done. Yeah, yeah right. And so it just haven't never be made. The end. <laughs> yeah. If you see that video, that's how you know we're at the end of the line. Yeah, right. Uh, but the Florence video is coming along. That just needs to be recorded and then thrown together. So that won't take terribly long. Uh, long-term picture though, got a couple of articles planned out. We have a handful of people that we're talking to to get on again. It's kind of a me issue because it's a technical it complication there. All-Star weekend, like I said, we have our plans kind of still kind of hammering them out. So I don't want to say anything until they're definite because things change, especially even if we have them hammered out by March. Right. I don't want to say anything until really end of june beginning of july even because i just want to make sure 100 percent they're concrete and that's not going to change because that'd be the worst and they'd be building this thing up for six months and then pop all the air out of the balloon yeah that would be not good uh, but obviously we are hoping to be somewhere (laughs) exactly we're going to be somewhere it's a matter of where and how much access are we going to have that's right to do that's really the question here uh but more than that though we do have some big plans kind of coming down the pipe that you're going to see probably beginning of May, middle of May. I would say right around the time the Can-Am and the American Association start up. We have an idea there that we're going to try and hammer out and get that to work out. There's going to be a lot more content coming. That's one of the things I definitely want to do in the new year. I want to pump out more content, have it be more consistent, be more content, or just more consistent rather. Uh, so that's something I definitely would look out for in the future there. Absolutely. And, and I'm just myself. I, I've created a uh, brand new, uh, Instagram account. It's, uh, Indie Ball Report James on Instagram. Uh, and so for those of you who want to reach out to me directly, um, or just see what content I'm putting up there, the, or see your thoughts on see the my stuff thoughts, that's going up on the main, that's going up on the main page. And, and, and some of the things that, that I will be doing is, is silly and, and those kind of fun things that I think are essential to, uh, 
to the game of independent league baseball as well as the serious stuff that we'll be putting out on the main page. I think you have to have that levity exactly. to that's, it as well. That's the other half of independent league baseball. And with that, I think it's kind of a good segment to kind of jump into the plugs and get out of here now. Uh, so, as always, you can find well, the main stuff on Instagram <laughs> at Indie Ball Report, or you can find the individual co-hosts at Indie Ball James. Or you could find us on Twitter at Indie Ball Pod. You could also find us on YouTube, Indie Ball Report Podcast on YouTube there. You can find all the content we put up both on the, uh, on the YouTube channel, on the actual pod feed, articles, you know, the whole standard deal. You can find all that on the website, IndieBallReport.com. Uh, that's also where our show notes are. So for the players that were listening or are still listening to this point, uh, if you're interested in the tryout, the show notes is where on the website. So go to there and you'll click on that and you can kind of figure out you're not a moron. Um, I'd hope not, at least we got this far. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can find the podcast on basically anywhere you can find podcasts. So tune in Stitcher, uh, Google Play. Uh, not iTunes because that's dead now, but Apple Podcasts, you can find it there as well as a handful of other locations as well. Uh, I think that's about it as far as that goes. Uh, do you have anything left to add? Yeah, just uh, wanted to again reiterate, thank everybody so much for the past year and we look forward to the next one coming. Yep, and because we haven't actually introduced ourselves in like 40 episodes, I'm Nick. And I'm James. And you just listened to the Indie Ball Report and until next time, don't forget to play ball.